welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to episode 23. Today I'm joined by an amazing couple, Hannah and her husband, Oye. They'll be sharing their journey with us today um, so far. So welcome, Hannah and Oye, and thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us, Ola. We're Yay. really happy to be here. <laughs> it's our thank, pleasure. thank you so much. So to start off, please tell me a little bit about yourself. It can be Hannah or Oye or both. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Um, so I am, my name is Hannah. Um, I live in the Netherlands. I'm from Nigeria originally, and I moved to the Netherlands in 2016. Okay. Um, so I'm 41, and I've been married to my husband for five years. It will be five years in October next month. Yay! Congratulations! <laughs> Yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. Thank you. Yeah. Did you want to add in it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she has covered it. We're married. And my name is Onyi, like you introduced us already. And we uh, live here in the Netherlands. And, um, well, we're here to share our view about um, this uh, journey of uh, infertility. Thank you so much. So how did you both meet? Um, we met through a friend of mine uh, who is a brother-in-law to my wife now. Ah, yeah, yeah. My brother-in-law kept uh, <laughs> talk, talking about this uh, really amazing. I mean, the way he described him. Oh, he's so lovely. He's so this. He's so that. And I, I was living with my older sister and her family at the time. Right. And her husband, or her husband's brother, was a friend to Oni. And he told me about him and was like, oh, you, you guys would be so good together. And I was like, mm, where does he live in the Netherlands? <laughs> I mean, I passed through, I passed through Amsterdam. I had passed through at the time several times on my way to somewhere else. Hmm. Never really thought about visiting Amsterdam or even living in Amsterdam or living in the Netherlands. But um, eventually we connected on facebook mm -hmm. so there's uh, one advantage of social media. thank god for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he stalked me on facebook for a little bit and then uh, <laughs> then we started talking on the phone uh for, and then when he came to nigeria he came for a visit and yeah the rest, as they say, is history. So history. here we are, wow. some six or so years, seven years later. Wonderful. Thank God for a wonderful uh, brother-in-laws. Okay. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, I, I, above all, I want to thank my wife. I mean, uh, I'm not the best communicator. I mean, when we were caught in uh, through social media, mm -hmm. I have the shortest answer in the world. Oh, how was your day? <laughs> Fine. What are you going to do? Mm, this, yes, no. You know, it was boring. And uh, well, social media is also not my strength, you know. Um, but um, she, well, she had faith in me. And 
she just kept calm till uh, <laughs> let's see what this will. Yeah, so um, for those listening, if you meet a guy who is not um, into talking too much, please give him a look uh, deeper. Give him, just <laughs> let him be yeah, and uh, don't judge him by his short answers. Wonderful. Good advice. Thank you. Because some of us ladies need that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> so, today we are here to talk about infertility. Um, I wondered if you would like to share your journey so far from the beginning till now in terms of working towards becoming parents? Yeah, so uh, being parents has always been, to be honest, I think it's something we thought would happen automatically. Mm -hmm. It's always been a desire that I've had, and I know Oni has had that desire and still has the desire in his heart. Um, so we were trying when I moved to the Netherlands. I moved here in 2016. We were married mm. in 2015. Okay. Um, and when I moved here, I, after a couple of months, I just, yeah, I thought <laughs> this should have happened by now. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to see my GP because in the Netherlands, before you go to a fertility clinic or go through specialist investigations, you have to be referred by your GP to right. the specialist. So I went to see my GP and my GP told me, yeah, you, how long have you been here in the Netherlands? And you have to have been trying. The rule is you have to have been trying for at least 12 months. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was in my late thirties, um, and so I thought, oh, you know, my biological clock. And I tried to reason with him and he was like, no, nope, doesn't matter how old you are. Wow. If you've not been trying actively for 12 months, then yeah, I can't refer you. But yeah, I told him, okay, I've been trying for six months just to yeah. hasten the process. And so a few months later, he sent us for the investigations and then it was during the investigations that we found out that on the female side, everything was fine. But on the male side, we were given a diagnosis of azuspermia, which means that there was no sperm seen in the ejaculates. So basically in the male sample, quote unquote, <laughs> there was no sperm, like zero. And I think a, what they say, a typical male sperm sam sample has like hundreds or millions, hundreds of millions right. of sperm. Uh, so we had zero, not one, not a thousand, just none. So they, and with azospermia, you can have obstructive or non-obstructive azospermia. Obstructive azospermia means there's a blockage uh, okay. There's something maybe you've, the man has had a vasectomy or tied, you know, his, um, not his tubes, but the passage <laughs> yeah. where the, the, yeah. the sperm comes out from. But we had non-obstructive, which meant that there was no physical obstruction. There was nothing that was stopping the sperm from coming out. There was just no sperm coming out. And with non-obstructive azospermia, it can be that it's caused... But, um, due to a physiological or biological reason. Right. So it could be um, because of some a disease. It could be because of chromosomal abnormalities. Okay. It could be because of DNA fragmentation. 
Uh, so we did all those tests. Uh, fortunately, in the Netherlands, your insurance covers, your health insurance covers just about everything. Wow. So we didn't have to pay for those. Um, they did the DNA checks, the chromosomal checks, and there was no abnormality. So the doctor referred us to a specialist, um, a specialist urologist who said that uh, he did some checks as well. And he said everything looked fine. So he couldn't honestly could not see a reason why there were no sperm. And my husband had to go for a surgery called a TESE, which is testicular sperm extraction. Mm -hmm. Um, so they slice open the testicles, take a sample and search for sperm. Um, and so they did that. And the urologist was really, or the surgeon was so excited because he said he went in, he found like millions of sperm just swimming around. He honestly could not see why they were not coming out, but everything looked normal inside and the sperm were fantastic quality. So we got a lot through that, that process which was good because um, for us, because the sperm weren't coming out, we had been told by this, the fertility specialist that, well, on your own, you have a 0% chance of becoming parents naturally. So IVF is the only option for you. And for IVF, you obviously need the eggs, which you have, but you also need the sperm. And the only way to get the sperm in this case was through the sperm extraction surgery which my husband had to do in 2018 2018 um, yeah 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 in 2018 mm. um, April so uh, we went through IVF I think we started IVF in the same year 2018 we've gone through four rounds now we're in the middle of our fourth cycle of IVF um, and all with different outcomes, but we're, we're, this cycle isn't over. But yeah. yeah, so we're just still in the journey. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. You've gone such, I mean, four IVF cycles. One is hard enough for four. Wow. I know. So I hope, I mean, I know you said that this cycle isn't over yet. So we fingers crossed that. It is a wonderful outcome. Um, yeah. And for your yeah, husband, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say we hope so because for all four cycles, we've had such different outcomes. Yeah, um, each with a different Each with a completely on. different <laughs> outcome. It's mm -hmm. funny. Uh, I think the first one, I ended up in the hospital. Uh, ah. with, uh, yeah. I didn't know that from IVF, you were a side effect, a possible side effect of IVF could be death. But yeah, <laughs> I never heard that before. Can you tell us about that? What, what actually happened? I remember reading about that on your page, actually. Yeah, so um, do you want to go? Um, well, everything during our first uh, cycle, everything, you know, uh, took on or took off very well. And right both the extraction and uh, the replacement, mm -hmm. everything went well. We had a good day that afternoon. Uh, we went, um, you know, just to hang around because they said uh, you don't have to go and sit 
at a particular place. So, you know, so yeah, love in the, <laughs> love in Amsterdam. So I decided to take my wife uh, for a shopping uh, Shopping spree, spree you know, yay. Yeah, so, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, we came back and she said she was not feeling fine, you know, but of course your first instinct will be that, oh, it's as a result of what happened today, you know, exactly. probably you're just reacting to one or two things. Um, yeah. And then we just relaxed. And I remember vividly that day we planned to go uh, to see a movie, mm-hmm. but because of yeah the tiredness, we called it off and, uh, you know, we're just lazing around the, in the house. And um, yeah, we went to bed um, around 10 or so. And then around 1 a.m., I mean, well, I'm not a deep sleeper. Um, mm-hmm. She woke me up and my heart skipped. And say, she said she can't breathe. <laughs> you know, like I thought, are you kidding me? Wow. I mean, by the time you will say that, I'm on the phone calling, uh, you know, the emergency line. Yeah. And, um, well, thank God, um, they hear uh, their response is very rapid. Mm-hmm. Though they are annoying sometimes on the phone, they will ask you multiple questions and I say, listen, yeah. my wife is dying and there is no time for this, you know, uh, questions because if there is no problem, I wouldn't have picked my phone to call you. Exactly. I think that's when they got the message. So they said, well, the ambulance is on the way and in less than five minutes they were here and uh, we were ferried to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, we, what happened was I couldn't breathe. I, I, it started with a, a backache. It had started right. earlier in the day, and so we canceled our movie plans. And then every position, when I tried to sleep, every position was uncomfortable. And so I couldn't lie down. I could barely sit up. And next thing, it was like my lungs, everything, I was choking or something. Wow. So I had to wake my husband up. We first, we called the fertility clinic, obviously. And we got the doctor on call and the doctor asked me, what are your symptoms? Uh, And then she said, I remember so clearly, she said, Madam, you need to call emergency services because this is a potentially deadly situation. It sounds like you have a pulmonary embolism. I thought, what? What? I know. (laughs) What is going on? She said, can you hear me? And the thing with Dutch people is Dutch people are quite practical, especially when it comes to health. Mm. The best usually, I mean, you can be dying of a high fever and they'll say, oh yeah, ride your bicycle, have some paracetamol. So for a Dutch doctor to tell you this is deadly, it means (laughs) you're probably one foot in the grave. So yeah, we had to rush to the hospital and... Um, so they found that I had several blood clots in my lungs, left and right. Jeez. And it, it was because of the, well, the, the medication, the hormonal uh, medication ah. from the IVF procedure. Apparently some people are more susceptible, maybe your hormones are more susceptible mm. to forming clots uh, if you are on certain uh, additional yeah. hormones. So that was the first one, and it was really traumatic because we had had such a good day. The, you know, even in the uh, the transfer embryo transfer, the doctor was telling us, "Oh, these embryos are so pretty, so textbook." <laughs> and we were really feeling <laughs> yeah. on top of the world, and then it ended like the day ended 
in the emergency room, uh, morphine and all sorts. Uh, wow. But yeah, yeah, that was the first one. Uh, so what a way from to there start. on, <laughs> yeah, it was quite traumatic. Yeah, and then from there on, though, for rounds two and three, we're going to round two. Um, wasn't something we just from my side specifically i said no I'm sure. no no i cannot afford to let you go through the or we cannot afford to go through this again i mean this is just we just came back from the grave so yeah. i mean i won't be here and allow you to you know go through this again so we have to find you know an alternative i mean there are other options out there um yeah, but it takes two to tango. Um, mm-hmm. I I did what I what I can do, um, <laughs> but I also it's not about me. It's about us. Yeah. Um, after a while, we gave ourselves uh, some time to really you know recuperate. I mean, mm-hmm. she was on a blood thinner for almost uh, six months. Wow. Every day, so it wasn't just uh, once in a week. Every day for six months. And after that, um, we took, uh, I think, about a few weeks again before we said, okay, we know what happened, and um, why not give it a second uh, trial before we went? So it's not as if we just woke up and said, oh, you know, you know, it's okay. No, I have to put up a fight. Yeah. Because yeah. life is not about childbearing, and, uh, you know, I love her. Um, Okay, I think I have to say this. Um, The topic is about infertility. But remember, when you exchange marriage vows, it's not Mm -hmm. about children. It's about protecting one another, loving one another. And children are gifts from God. It comes as the Lord permits it. But the commitment is for us to love one another it's for me to cherish her for who she is and not what she is you know she's not a childbearing machine that is not the vow that i made before god so these are things we should always uh, recall or with the for the from the second round or second ivf cycle onwards uh i was monitored or i have been monitored by an internal medicine medications okay um, but for the second cycle, that was we we had a, a positive. Oh, okay. Um, uh, we lost that one, and then the third cycle. The third cycle was a, a big shocker for us because that one. Um, we got through the third cycle, but we didn't have any eggs fertilized, and so oh. that was quite devastating. And so we took a break. I think we took quite a long break after that uh, before we embarked on this current cycle and this current cycle so far i mean by the grace of god has uh, been looking good um, being cautiously optimistic yeah um, because this is the first cycle we've even had embryos to freeze oh wow that's wonderful and, uh, even though at the start of this i'm not sure i would not have that wanted but yeah the the thing with IVF is that it gives you hope and that's when you realize hope is so important it is the the glimmer of hope is almost everything yeah but that's where we 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 are and 
how we've gotten here in this particular journey. Wow. I keep saying wow because just because you know uh, you've had such a a difficult experience, and and of course I've never actually heard about the experience you had the first IVF cycle before. So we thank God that you're able to get uh, proper care quickly enough. And it's important that yes. you share that as well so other people can also be aware that if they feel a little bit uh, different or uncomfortable, it's better to, to seek um, medical attention just to make sure or rule out any complications. Yes, definitely. And we thank God again, like you said, that you have some frozen embryos in this cycle because that's important. Uh, it, it kind of helps your mind when you think about it. Just know that there's some backups <laughs> it does. as well. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Thank you so much. Um, and of course, like you said, it seems like everything was done right because sometimes in Nigeria, hey, when you go for tests, you know, people just focus on the women. There's not a lot of attention given to the men in terms of actually testing. So I'm glad that in your case, there was proper tests done for both of you at the same time, and the proper attention yeah. was given, and the right treatments was done. Uh, enabled to um, access the sperm, which is wonderful. It's not a lot of people that can yeah. say that because sometimes in Nigeria, you hear that, or even yeah. other parts of the world, you hear that people have gone through, like the woman has been testing for the last one year, two years, and the man hasn't mm -hmm. really had any tests done. You know, he just says, well, I have a child from when I was in university, <laughs> so that means I'm fine. And, yeah. you know, things can change at any time for anyone. So... Um, yeah. it's glad to see yeah. that that wasn't the same for yourself yeah yeah Wonderful. definitely I think uh, that that is a problem in Nigeria when I was in university I worked at an ONG clinic okay um, and I remember a lot of the ladies would come in you know with the same complaint or with their own Where's your husband? <laughs> you need, yeah. This is a couple thing. Yeah. You need to come in together. And some men would be vehemently against it. And yeah. I mean, we, we used to see a lot of drama at the, at the clinic. But we told them, and this is also something I've realized, well, not that I've just realized, I've always known, um, but coming from a Nigerian background, I think I also carried the idea that if there was anything wrong it would be my fault especially yeah. marrying at a later age marrying in my mid to late 30s I always I, I, when I first went to the GP I, I was convinced without any testing that it was my fault but mm. so when we got the diagnosis I was honestly taken aback because I thought it, <laughs> it could only be my fault but then that comes or that idea comes from the environment that we're raised or we were raised in um, yeah. and the the way that women are made to feel that childbearing is your soul and whole responsibility mm. and it's, it's not true childbearing and child rearing yeah both of those activities are a couple's <laughs> duty yeah and to rear a child those things have to be done by parents a couple 
that should be involved, both mother and father should be involved in both activities. Um, but yeah, it, it takes growing and changing in your mindsets and being able to look at things from, uh, from a bigger picture perspective to mm. appreciate that. Yeah. In addition to what uh, my wife just said, um, I would add, you know, from a man's perspective that the day you receive the news or your wife breaks the news that she's pregnant, automatically the husband is also pregnant because <laughs> you will be going through it emotionally. You need to find out how she's feeling at every step of the day, uh, you know, every day you need, you want to make sure she's okay, first of all, because you're seeing your wife. The baby, you've not seen her. Yeah. But then there is this expectation that is growing. You need to be there to key in. There are days she might be very tired. That is not the day you spend the whole day in the office. You know, that mm -hmm. is not the day you come back with all kinds of excuses. Just like she said, it's, it's, it's a couple's thing. But again, it's the mindset. It's just the mindset of, uh, you know, uh, where, we're, where, this, where we're raised and how the society perceives uh, the marriage institution. Yeah. And um, to be honest, some ministers are not helping it. No. Um, ministers of God, the way they, 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 they present the message they have to be clear. Love is a person. I love my wife is not, you know, you give her a check of 1,000 or 2,000. No, the way you treat her, mm -hmm. going through issues with her together is just the expression of that love. It's, it's not about the gift. And, and the, the men forget that the home is, I mean, he's the head of the home. When it's wrong, the society will also say, look, you're a foolish man. Uh, you are, you're not able to take care of your wife and you're coming out to say something in the society. Yeah. But some will not even look at it that way. So just to cut it short, I think every man needs to key in, you know, wherever you are, no matter how busy you are, find time to emotionally, psychologically support your wife. So what role do you think uh, friends and family play uh, or have played in your journey currently as you um, currently deal with infertility? Um, friends and families, um, they've been very supportive, first of all, um, in terms of words uh, of encourage, true words of encouragement. Uh, prayer and even just a hug you know right. it makes it, it makes it uh, a big difference um, but most importantly we've uh, been privileged to have um, friends or families uh, a family that they've been supporting us from day one mm -hmm. and they've not used or they've not pointed a finger at any of us and right. um, They've not said, oh, if you had done A, B would have happened, or if you had done C, D would have happened. Yeah. Um, this has helped us, you know, to navigate or to keep on going. And at every step, we also keep them informed because of the positive uh, feedback we get mm -hmm. from them. 
them when we call or when we tell them where we are. Um, even when we decided not to, uh, when after the first incident that happened that I told my wife that we're not going into this again, yeah. they didn't say, oh, I mean, you are too, um, I mean, it's too quick for you to say that the reason with me, you know, because I told them my reason that um, I married her for who she is. Yeah. If a child will come, it will come. And they let us be and not, uh, you know, uh, putting pressure on us. So that's um, a little bit of what I will say that or how family and friends, they've uh, really come along with us and we really appreciate them, we have to say. Yeah, yeah, they've been really great. I think there's a big role in the terms of this providing a support structure mm -hmm. that friends and family, there's a big space that friends and family can fill for people who are going through this infertility journey, or as we like to call it, we like to call it a delayed fertility right. journey. Um, there's a big role because you, it's not something that you can really do on your own. Yeah. Yes, you have your partner, but sometimes you want uh, to speak to, or you want the comforts of somebody who's not directly involved. Mm. You know, you want an, a, a, you want a third party who is more objective about your yeah. situation, and you can have go to a counselor because we did that. Um, oh, that's our nice. Clinic, yeah, our, our clinic offers counseling, even though it's a. It's a um, teaching hospital but still they offer counseling in the fertility department and we also looked for a therapist outside of that um, so a, a third party who is just not involved is really good but it's also good to 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 have the support and know that you have the support of people who care about you yeah. and who care about your lives um, family wise our family has been really helpful on both sides i have lots of nieces and nephews and their parents are very generous in allowing me to be a co-parent. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't miss, or we don't, actually, even my husband, we don't miss, to be very honest, we have the love of children in our lives. And, and that's the place that, you know, if you, you don't have your own children, we don't feel that emptiness so much. Right. Because when we want to, even if we just want to, to scold somebody. I know who I can call <laughs> to scold <Yeah. laughs> if I want somebody that I need to scold. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and friends and family should also be sensitive about what they say and the words that they use yeah. um, and about placing blame. It's not a blame, it's not an issue of blame. It's not an issue of uh, you would be better off with or without this person exactly we really need to be sensitive but also to be available for support for people in our lives who are going through uh, this delayed fertility journey uh, so for me i found it invaluable yeah. the second ivf cycle that we had for instance um, my cousin lives in england and I think a day after my husband called her and told her, okay, we've had this miscarriage. And within a day, she was knocking at my door and she spent a couple wow. of days with me. And she has three children of her own, but she just dropped everything and came down. 
and spent oh, wow. the weekend with us just to encourage us. Yeah. Um, and so that's the kind of practical support, you know, even, even if you can't do something that is that drastic, yeah. even just to call the, the person that you know who is going through this journey on the phone and say, we love you and we love you as you are. We love you as a couple. We love you as you are and we support you whatever decision you want to make that is right for you as a couple we will stand behind you that's a really important thing that they can do so important it's amazing that the role that family and friends can play it's such like you said invaluable and it's it's wonderful that you had a cousin like that come over right away to um to be with you and just comfort you during that time I'm highly impressed that both of you actually went to counseling and therapy. That's another thing that we don't do so much here in Nigeria. I think lots of, maybe the black community is not very common, but for sure in Nigeria it's not. Because when you talk about counseling and therapy, you're like, what? (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you. You're okay. (laughs) Right? Because that's how we we think. Everybody has issues. (laughs) They will think, do you have a brain problem? I know. It's more like, uh, what? (laughs) <laughs> but you're right. We all have issues with dealing with. Issues that yeah, yeah, so that's very impressive that you did that. Was that something you did? You did your friends like? Were you did you choose to do therapy or just because your hospital uh, suggested it? Well, our our hospital offered it to us. Okay. They said, "Oh, would you like to speak with the counselor here on staff?" And then they said, "Oh, we can." Well. Actually, a friend of ours, who a Dutch lady who had gone through uh, several IVF treatments herself, suggested it before we started. And she said, oh, you, you, you might really need this. And she gave me the number of her therapist. And, but they had a long wait list. <laughs> so when we started and the clinic said, we have a, a counselor on staff. And so we started seeing the counselor, but then they gave us a referral also. They said they could write us a referral if we wanted to see a full therapist and they wrote us a referral. But um, it was partly because they suggested it, but I just thought it would be a good support system because here um, we don't really have any other, we don't have any family members living here in the Netherlands. Um, And sometimes as much as family and friends are helpful. Sometimes you want just an unbiased third party to listen to you, not to offer solutions, (laughs) not to tell them what they think about about the situation, but to listen to you neutrally. Mm. And that's what really the counselor did for us. Nice. Very glad to hear that. And I think you went to the counselor on your own once, yeah? Yep. Okay. And that was, you found that helpful as well? Yeah, because, I mean, he's a neutral person and um, he has nothing to lose. He has nothing to gain. Yes. So it was good talking to him and also, you know, yeah, he just listen to what he's saying from a different perspective. You know, you get a different, um, or, well, I got um, a lot of positive uh, feedback from him because some of the things he said, I didn't even think about those things or mm-hmm. I didn't see things that way. So with that help, you know, it helps or it helped me to navigate, you know, through the rough time uh, right. uh, or season that we, we encountered. 
Wonderful. And so, Oin, let me ask you this question. Um, as the, will you say that infertility, or like your wife said that you prefer uh, to say delayed fertility, will you say that it has changed you as a person? Um, I, well, that's uh, first of all, it's a good question. Um, yes, uh, it, it, it has changed uh, the way I see things and um, also um, helped me to redefine what is important and what is not. Mm -hmm. um, I have been open. Uh, I think that is also something that I'm really, I've not, I'm not this person who puts pressure, oh, this is not happening, that is not happening, or I begin to treat my wife um, in a way that is um, not, uh, in an uncalled uh, or in a way that is not really helpful or in an mm -hmm. unloving manner. Right. Um, but with the support that I also got from her, because when I got this result, um, after I visited um, the clinic um, where I did the first uh, test, actually that was something we missed. We, uh, I went for the first uh, uh, sperm test and mm -hmm. um, I got the result and you know it's just like you're in a dreamland yeah. you, know, you will not accept it uh, well as a man you just want to take it easy ask the why me question yeah. is this true or not um, I had a call with my GP and um, I told him, well, I, you know, I don't believe what I'm seeing. But then when we had the opportunity of going to another specialist yeah. or to a bigger, another specialist uh, uh, hospital, uh, they recommended that I do the test again. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, yeah, the turning point where it was clear that the first result was as good as the second one. So um, it has helped me to see things from a different perspective that life is not all about, you know, bearing child, one, but it is also important. You know, it's something we both desire. We pray about it uh, every time, whenever we have the opportunity to, you know, speak to God, though we do that every day, but as couple or as individual. Um, but it's also important to know that that is not what defines you as a man or as a person. Yes. So true. Thank you. Anna, do you want to add anything to that? From your perspective, would you say that deliberately has changed you as a person? Yeah, um, infertility or delayed fertility in our case yeah. has helped me really to realize, like uh, with Oyi, to realize what's important. But it's also, uh, if I may say that, improved or deepened my faith in God. Because I think especially on this last IVF cycle, I have realized that 
not many people are privileged to be as close to the creation process yeah. as anyone who goes through IVF. Because in IVF, <laughs> you get to see, you know, you're, you're, you're with the cell that's developing or the yeah. follicle that's developing, which may contain an egg cell. And you're, I mean, I just pray as long as I'm taking the stimulation medication, I'm praying for those follicles and praying for the cells that are in those follicles or maybe yeah. contained in the follicles. And then with the same thing when they're fertilized uh, and then you see an embryo, how many people, I mean, now maybe thousands of people, but still compared to the billions of people on earth, not many people get to be as close to the creation process uh, as that. Yes. And so I've seen that as an re- amazing privilege. I, I've really come to realize that's a privilege and it's really strengthened my faith in God because I've also come to see infertility not as a bad thing per se because a lot of people use that word oh and I when we first got this diagnosis I thought it was such a bad thing I was crying and saying oh god why would you let this happen which is a question that people ask a lot you know yes. when something that makes us sad or something that is out of our expectations with life happens then we say oh god why are you doing this or why are you letting this happen if you are so good if god is so good why would he let this happen um but through it i have realized that one as the bible says his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts so what i may consider such a bad thing And when I look at it, I realize it's really just a part of my human condition. Take, for instance, death. Death in itself is just another thing that happens in life. In itself, it is not a bad thing. We may feel bad, those of us left behind. Mm -hmm. But uh, for a Christian, it should be a, a joyful transition. So I've come to see kind of IVF as a growth or not IVF, but the fertility journey as a a growing pathway for me, Mm. spiritually and as a person, I've I've become more empathetic. Um, I'm quite, yeah, (laughs) as a person, I'm very practical. I'm I'm not superstitious about anything. And and I, I tend not to really feel what I used to not feel what other people are feeling. You can tell me, oh, that person is really suffering. And I'll be like, yeah, what did they do? You know, or mm-hmm. what's my business with that? But because of this fertility journey, I've become a lot more empathetic. I, I feel things for other people, even if I have never been in their situation, mm-hmm. even if, you know, they're in a completely dis- different situation of life or than I am in. Yeah. I've become so much more empathetic. And I, I like to think I've grown in my maturity in the sense that I know that I cannot control everything. Yes. And so I have learned to let go and just to live life one day at a time. And also to enjoy the life that I have now instead of always living in the future. Oh, when we have the children, then we'll do this. No, yeah. we do fun things now. 
go on a cruise. We <laughs> just decided to live life like that now, not waiting for when this dream state happens. Yeah. Um, so that's what, what I've really learned in this um, journey, to live life joyfully now and to enjoy even this journey and to learn yeah. from it and grow in it. Wow. Those are really important lessons. Those are really amazing lessons that you both have learned, actually. Uh, it's, it's in infertility and when you're waiting to have children, sometimes it can be almost like the only thing you think about sometimes and you forget to enjoy the other blessings that you might already have uh, while you work towards having children. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And only if you could, only if you could go back in time to tell your much younger self before you met Hannah many years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, what would you tell your younger self, knowing what you know now? <laughs> um, well, it's good to dream. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> bad in dreaming. Um, yeah, I would tell myself, you know what? You have to face reality when, you know, accept reality the way they are when, you know, you face them. Or when, mm -hmm. um, I learned this uh, saying, accept pressure when they come because when you close the door behind the pressure, it builds up. So when mm -hmm. the first pressure comes to you, accept it, assimilate it, go through it, then you learn how to navigate the second pressure. So um, <laughs> yeah. I would tell myself, you know what, enjoy that youthful stage and then prepare yourself. Let it be a preparatory school for the coming days and yeah. years. And uh, I would always tell the younger ones um, that I meet, I say, listen, life is not the way you see it. Um, it can flip over in split seconds yeah just like that you think am i in a dreamland so uh, like um, we just uh, said we appreciate each other um, for who we are and enjoy each other's company though i'm annoying sometimes and still annoying <laughs> <laughs> hannah is nodding <laughs> <laughs> We all are. We all are annoying and we all can be annoying. Um, mm. um, but um, I, I really appreciate her for who she is and, um, and would encourage each other to look, um, accept reality and don't live in this uh, fairy um, land. Just come right. back to reality and know that you're on planet Earth. Yeah, <laughs> well said. Hannah? Is there anything you'll tell your younger self that you think this journey is? Yeah, I would tell my younger self to be patient, be patient with yourself and forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. Not everything has to be perfect. Yeah. Not everything has to look good on paper because it's not how it looks that matters. It's not how it looks that counts. 
you know, take life really as it comes and enjoy it. Because I used to be quite driven about things. Oh, I want to be in this stage professionally at this age. I want yeah. to my family life to look like this. But, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think in the past 10 years, I've realized that you really, there's so much that you can't control. Mm-hmm. So it's better to just enjoy the things that you have with you and the people that you have with you when you have them enjoy where you are when you're there not everything has to be perfect and you won't collapse or die or you won't crumble Mm. if it's not perfect you won't yeah so you'll survive that's what i'll tell my younger self not everything has to be so future perfect it doesn't even in the even in the imperfection even in the cracks there's beauty in things that are not so perfect and so so try to see that beauty well said thank you and is there any word of advice like in terms of actually maybe not advice a quote or affirmation that you use daily that has helped you during this journey Um, my favorite one is uh, in your getting get understanding. Have an understanding of what you are into, uh, not only in terms of the area of spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about delayed fertility. Do I really understand it? What impact, uh, what lessons would I say that I have gotten from it? And mm-hmm. how can I be a blessing? those who are going through the same, um, who are struggling or who are also having a delayed uh, fertility. Um, I always say this, the primary encouragement is the one you give yourself. The one you get from people, it's called secondary, but the Mm -hmm. primary encouragement is what takes you to your destination. So we should learn to be um, an encourager and uh, encourage ourselves and then um, tell ourselves that look I've done my best today and I believe tomorrow will take care of itself and then tomorrow again you put in your best and don't flog yourself like my wife said um, when things don't go the way you plan it so yeah. in all you're getting like I said get understanding it is really really important uh, understand what people are saying, understand why they are saying it. It may not be immediately, but give yourself time to process the information that you glean from, you know, the conversation you had with somebody or with someone or with a friend or with you know, a family member. It, it's really important. It will take you a long way. Wonderful. What about you, Anna? Any word of affirmation? Like you tell yourself, um, yeah, there's, there's um, uh, one, one thing first that I tell myself is every day is that God is good. That is his character and God is just. Mm-hmm. That is unchangeable. So if this is happening, it is good. If I'm in this place at this time in this world, is for a good reason. Um, and the other thing that I've been 
reciting to myself daily is a hymn that my mother used to sing when I was younger. And it says, it's a Christian hymn, obviously. So it says, cast your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I've been, for, I think for the past month, every day this hymn, I say it to myself, it comes to mind mm -hmm. and it reminds me not to look at the situation around me or not to look at the situation that we're in or what we're going through, but to look beyond uh, and to look at what holds me, what grounds me, where my anchor is. Right. So that's, yeah, I would advise anyone, even if you're not a person of faith, to find something that anchors you yeah. and look beyond whatever issue it is to that thing that holds you or gives you an anchor. So important. Thank you for sharing that. And as a wrap up, Onya, I'd like to ask you this question first. You see, I'm so impressed by both of you to actually come out and speak about your journey so far. And actually a lot for you, Onya, actually, because I know that there are lots of men out there that might get, that firstly would refuse to get tested and keep insisting that the wife should get tested. And secondly, that actually gets a diagnosis like that and proceeds to seek, speak with the doctor and see what you need to do and get it done. And be also be open with your wife about it and just, you know, deal with the issue itself. So that's really impressive because in reality, that's not very common. So if there's another man out there listening that perhaps maybe visited the clinic by himself and found out that's the case, but doesn't want to tell his wife or he's not sure how to, what word of advice would you have for that person listening or for that man that hasn't gotten tested because... It just doesn't see the need. What would you say to that person? Um, first of all, for the man who hasn't uh, been tested, um, he should um, go for a test. It's really important. Um, he shouldn't um, begin or have this feeling or this uh, mentality of oh it's it's the it's the woman's issue or mm -hmm. whatever you know whatever the society might have pumped into you know some of us uh, men in, into our head um he should go and you know uh, see a consultant you know if you want to do it privately first uh, or you can discuss it with your wife, um, especially if you're a, if you're a Christian couple. Um, you have a home. I mean, it's both of you that make up that home for now. So sit down, discuss with your wife. Say, look, I need your support, and I want to go through this. And I believe whoever that is listening out there, your wife will give you all her support. Support. You will be her hero because the society already or your family, uh, you know, on the side of the man is already concluding or they've already concluded that this is the, the woman's fault. Yes. So save 
your wife, if you really love her, save her by going for that test. And if you have gone for the test and you have received, well, the kind of uh, the same result that I, um, or results that I received when I had mine, um, it's, it's not an easy thing to swallow, uh, you know, an easy pill. It's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, you have that first, first uh, shock. And, yeah. But because of the uh, medical, um, um, how do you say this, uh, uh, um, services that is available, or the treatments that are available, rather, that's the right word. Because of the availability of treatment, then there's hope. And again, it's not, that is not what defines you because here at the beginning, my wife mentioned, you know, where you have a blockage or where um, obstruction, um, obstruction and non-obstruction. So if there is no obstruction or maybe it could be from your family, you know, say gene something. Yeah. It's none of, I mean, it's it not is not none of your doing. Yeah. It's yeah. just genetic. You cannot, you cannot do anything about it. And of course, I so much appreciate um, the local herbs uh, that uh, they would advise you to go and drink. But, yeah. well, our body is not the same. There is this <laughs> saying, uh, you yeah. know, when we were young, when you go to the barber shop, you will, you will tell the barber, please uh, cut my hair like you cut my brother's own. But <laughs> your face and your brother's face, they are not the same. Yeah. So one person might take it and end up in emergency. Another person might take it and probably survive it. So yeah. please seek for professional help. Seek for professional help. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and also be prayerful. You know, <laughs> God can do all things, but you have Amen. to do your own part in order for God to do his own part. Amazing. Thank you so much for that info. That's amazing. It's really important that we have men listen to that and know just in case they're dealing with something similar and know how to approach it. Hannah, anything else you'd like to add as a wrap up? Any word of encouragement, maybe another wife out there um, dealing with the delayed fertility or the husband has a similar diagnosis, any word of advice or encouragement to them? The only thing that um, I would add is that you need to look beyond the current circumstance, current, beyond the current situation. If you're dealing, dealing with male factor infertility in particular, or even general infertility, yeah. your life is made up of more than that situation. Already, if you are a couple, you're already a family. Yes. <laughs> more than one person you're a family exactly. yeah you know you're a family of two but that's a family in itself and so it's important to see each other and really appreciate each other fertility whatever side of the couple or whomever in the couple bears the actual cause is not the person it's not a fault or blame yeah. this situation nobody asks for it you know it's just something that's part of our human condition it's part of uh, the way human beings our, our biology has evolved at this point yeah. you know we've 
come to this point where some things are just not working as well as maybe they were because of our environment. It could be pollution. It could be processed food. Nobody knows yeah. what causes these things. So whoever the person is in the partnership that has, uh, that has been diagnosed with this particular, uh, with the cause of the infertility should not be seen as the person causing the situation. The person didn't ask for it. And I think the, the percentages for infertility go, I think usually 30% uh, of the time is the man's, the cause is with the man, 30% is with the woman, the rest of the time it's unknown. So mm. it's pretty evenly distributed. And so if you have a diagnosis of, um, with an unknown cause, for instance, and everything is working fine on both parties, who will you hold to blame? Yeah. No one. You still have to love each other. So my advice to any couple walking this journey is to take it step by step, take it day by day, and try to love each other, which is what we're trying to do as well. It's yeah. not an easy journey. It's, it really isn't. But there can be... Uh, there can come good out of every situation, mm -hmm. you know, if you allow yourself to grow in the situation and try to see it from a different perspective, try to see the areas where you are improving as a, an individual or you're building your relationship and focus on the things that matter. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was amazing. Thank you both. You know, I've learned so much listening to both of you because many times when I speak with people, they're talking about the journey uh, to how they become parents now. So it's pretty great to speak with people that are still on the journey because sometimes people that are listening are still on that journey and they want to, sometimes people think, well, it's easy for you to say, be happy when you're no longer working that journey. But it's amazing to speak to both of you that you're both living well now. You're living, you know, you're enjoying each other. You're enjoying all the blessings that you currently have while you await the children that will come. So that's important. That's an important story for people to hear, to, to, to see how you're both speaking with each other, to see how fondly Oye speaks about Hannah. You know, it's pretty amazing. You know, for Nigerians, that's so important. <laughs> you know, I live here in Nigeria, so... <laughs> I understand what I hear most of the time, right? By the time you're married even for <laughs> one year or two years and you don't have any kids, you know, people are already on your case, the husband. Thank you. I hope, I hope there will be, even if it's just one person who yeah. finds, you know, some encouragement in this journey, because we're still on the journey. And yes. I, I trust that we will keep growing in this journey. Um, no matter what the outcome is, I, I think we've reached that point where no matter what the outcome is, um, what's important is we, our marriage is our marriage. Our <laughs> marriage, yeah. you know, the point of being married is to be married. Then maybe children can come later, but work on the marriage. And that's what we've been trying to do, be married to each other and appreciate each other. So I hope, you know, even if one person is encouraged by this, one man or one woman or a couple, you know, sees that there's hope. There's treatment for male factor infertility. Um, you can 
seek treatment. It might not be so readily available in Nigeria, but yeah. the world is a much smaller place now. So you can kind of reach out and look around. Yes. Well said. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you both on here. And I have been inspired and encouraged. So you already checked off that box. You said you wanted just at least one person. So one person done check. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we can stop. You know me, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for making the time. Well, I mean, via your Instagram, if uh, if if your if um, your listeners they still want to reach us, I mean, yeah. we yeah. are also open. If oh, okay, that's wonderful. Your Instagram, we are open. You can always contact us. Oh, that's um, wonderful. They, Thank we, you. They want to hear details. Mm-hmm. So that they wouldn't think that we filtered what we answered. We would definitely right. you know, no, repeat. it's a real story. It's you know, we're yeah. telling them a true life experience. This is mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, uh, a Hollywood uh, <laughs> uh, movie. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for that. Exactly. So people want to integrity. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, because we our integrity is on the line. You know, yeah. if we mislead people. Yeah, you're right. You know, some people might want to, some, some man out there might want to reach out to you or a woman out there might want to reach out to you and talk more, ask more about details. So thank you for being open to uh, communication from other people in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.